Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on October the 9th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the spooky version of... Caffeine Rage! On today's show, we're going to have a little bit of a special giveaway this time. We will also be discussing the games we played this past week. A BAFTA lecturer discusses why making games should be easier. After months of asking for region lock, PUBG players are mad about region locks. (laughs) We're going to be discussing the continuing adventures at Telltale Studios, or what's left of it. CD Projekt Red has got some creative rights issues going on. We'll have our weekly community corner with a listener question this week, and our Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How you doing? Um, uh, well, doing better this week because we're actually recording on a Tuesday. Indeed. So far, nothing terrible has happened. Jinx. I don't have any wood to knock on. All of this stuff is like particle board, and this might be real wood. Well, what? Your your skull isn't? <laughs> I should just knock on my penis. And goodbye to our lovely <laughs> sponsor who sponsored a giveaway. If they actually listen to the show. If See, so, I'm we're gonna, sorry. Indeed. I'm just going to go straight from penis to talking about this. So on our last episode during the Discovery Queue, uh, I found a little game called Night Team 4. A uh, interesting looking little hacking game. Talked about it for a few minutes. Said I looked interested, or said I looked interested in it. I was going to keep my eye on it. And uh, we moved on. And in our inbox this week, we got an email from the devs that thanked us for mentioning the game on the show and gave us some keys to give away to some audience members uh, and also some keys for us so that we can play the game. So we have three keys to give to the audience. um, And I've already forgotten what you said they should do (laughs) to get the keys. uh, Yeah, I decided, well, uh, this was my first thought on how we should uh, distribute them. And my thought was quotes from hacker movies. Uh, email them or tweet them to us. And uh, it won't be, you know, our, our favorite one or, you know, uh, get a quote from one of our favorite movies, even though if you do hit one of mine, uh, you know, you do get uh, some bonus points. It doesn't help your odds any, but, you know, I will th- feel better about you. Uh, and we'll yep. run it for two weeks instead of just one, just to give it a little bit of extra time. And we'll do it. Uh, yeah. Talk about this once again next week to be able to remind anyone or anyone that we randomly picked up because, you know, uh, uh, the podcast uh, sometimes picks up new people. Sometimes it uh, drops people uh, such as the way of the podcaster. Right. Indeed. But Indeed. to enter once again, just send uh, your favorite quote from a hacker movie or will we include cyberpunk in that in general because that yeah. usually, that usually has a lot of hacking or hacking subplots i love cyberpunk yeah and uh for fun also include what the movie is from and send that to vglpodcast at gmail.com or just tweet it to vglpodcast it'll be into the same pool of the three keys i don't think we should segregate those and do one from twitter or not 
No. Uh, we'll and, just... and it's just one entry per person. Yeah. I mean, if you want to send us hacker movie quotes all day long, you can, but it still only gets you one entry into to the giveaway, mm-hmm. um, which we will hold at two weeks from today. Yeah, right? let's That'll call be one episode and then yeah, the next one. Yeah, let's call it 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time or Freedom Time, depending on if you're on a Discord or not. Uh, Tuesday, October 23rd. Right. So that'll be right before we go to record. We'll check the messages and then... Uh, uh, Random.org. Yep. So, we did it, guys. We hit the big time. <laughs> we got some keys. Officially received some keys to give away to listeners of the show. Yeah, and, Pack it up. We're yeah, going and, home. And if the uh, dev of the game is still listening after hearing uh, you talk about your penis, I'd love to know how you found us, really. Because yeah. it, it was a very small mention. Uh, not to say that, you know, we're not appreciative of it, but still, it was kind of uh, random. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure how they found it, because I don't put the tags from Discovery Q uh, I don't in either. the episode, because I haven't played the games. So, either the devs do listen, in which case, hi guys. Um, or also, bye guys, because Albert- I talked about my penis. Uh, well, uh, if they listened for any amount of time, they would hear a lot about your penis. That's true. If they've been listeners of the show for a little while, they know. They know. I mean, uh, your uh, theme song is Isn't It Lovely to Have a Penis? Yes. <laughs> also, sometimes the internet is for porn. You know, depending on my mood. Or both. You know, just one <laughs> in one ear, one in the other. Yeah. Going at the same time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So we will uh, we'll announce that again next week. Probably after the episode goes live, post it on Discord, um, just in case. I mean, most of the people on the Discord listen to the podcast uh, we hope. pretty soon after it releases. But, you know, just a little reminder. Uh, yeah, but yeah, a, I think... A very uh, welcome surprise. Indeed. So, speaking of games, uh, no more giveaways, but we do have a few games to talk about this week. Um, yeah, it was I, a very, very light week for me, and I'm seeing uh, my uh, connection to Discord being a little wonky, which, boy, I hope that doesn't uh, bode uh, poorly for the rest of this. Uh, you sound I, okay, so. Yeah, it, well, it went orange, not red. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't play many games because I was highly agitated this weekend and I was not in the mood, because guess who had more connection issues? That guy right there, the the one with the floppy disk on his picture. Well, it's a hard disk when I'm talking to you. Oh, <laughs> nice! <laughs> that was excellent. I approve. I'm just gonna two thumbs up plus my penis. Oh uh, well, uh, my connection completely died Saturday night. I mean, completely. It was out for a good chunk of the evening into overnight, which, you know, I was, I typically do my kind of random playing uh, on the weekend anyway. And I was just uh, agitated. I was not in the mood. I called it an early night. Sunday rolls around. Internet's back up. Looking good. Great. For a bit. 
Then it went down again for pretty much the rest of the day after, I would say, early afternoon. It started getting more and more sluggish. Now, mind you, I have a gig package. So whenever I start seeing things like Twitch buffering, that's a bad sign, right? Yeah. Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah, either uh, whoever is streaming has uh, connection issues or I'm having connection issues. And I did a quick speed test and I was well under an eighth of my max download. And it just kept going down further and further and further and further until finally I hit rock bottom and I ended up was I never technically lost my connection. But when you're running dial-up speeds in the modern web, it may as well be down. Yeah. I I got so agitated, I started yelling at suddenly support on Twitter. I mean, that should tell you something, right? This was the third day in under a week. This was the third day in under a work week, in under five days. And turns out their rule for... uh, uh, bill adjustment is it has to be 24 hours period. It's not multiple times uh, adding up to 24 hours in a short period of time. Which kind of sucks for me, but uh, fine. So I was so agitated, I really didn't play anything outside of what I was originally planning on doing a Sunday sampler for, but wasn't going to be able to do so because I was having program problems with it. Just once again, my computer throwing a fit on certain... I'm, I'm assuming this was a UND title. I didn't get a t- chance to really confirm that. But that tends to be what it is. It's something to do with Unity, and, I'm, and I haven't figured out what. But I did play a little bit of Dimbalus, uh the space drone constructor. Uh, no, that's just not me trying to preface and That's the subtitle of the game. <laughs> Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of Kerbal in both the good or bad and bad ways. Uh it for those who've never heard of the game, which honestly can't blame you there, uh it is I would call it a rogue light spaceship construction game where you go into a procedurally generated universe and it's kind of a roguelite sandbox game where you go do missions, mine and dig down into random planets, do whatever it is that you know, you're supposed to do there, which at least on the few missions that I did seem to be essentially the same thing, only with a different skin on it. But granted, that is also the extreme early game, so that could you know, be a little unfair on uh, my assumption on that. Uh, but where it also reminded me of Kerbal is it also had some of the growing pains that Kerbal did particularly on ship construction. Uh, Everything is connected to a central core, uh, and this is uh, very much the Kerbal style, where you're, well, not really snapping pizzas together in this case, but the same general idea, where you have essentially a bin of parts that you snap together to make your ship. Well, on this, all the pieces are essentially on rods connected to a, a secondary piece, much like how uh, Carbo uh, would be if, you know, you used uh, the uh, the tools in the game to essentially break the physical uh, or the visual bonds, I should say, of a particular piece. 
but they don't have any sort of joint reinforcement. So if you're not very careful on your building, you could uh, actually get the ship to jitter as it uh, has too many pieces kind of latched onto one central piece. Uh, you remember okay. how Kerbal would have, uh, you know, the spaghetti rockets? Yeah, they would wobble over the place till they blew up. Exactly that. Uh, which is what I mean by some of Kerbal's growing pains. Granted, you can get around that by uh, having the central node branch out into other heavier parts and use those as a, a secondary node to latch onto, which also makes it so that your uh, ship is also more modular and uh, can be blown up a little bit easier. So it's a kind of a trade-off system there. It's interesting, and it's it reminds me a lot of Gimbal, actually, as well. And for those who've never played Gimbal, well, I don't blame you because it was a pretty small multiplayer-focused uh, shipbuilding game where you snap together parts and build a ship to essentially go deathmatch. Uh, a very fun game. Shame it didn't really get a lot of uh, uh, press and a lot of uh, traction on the multiplayer scene. And pretty much a waste to pick it up now just because, yep, no single player in the multiplayer. What there is is, you know, it's the few diehards. You know, not fun. Uh, right. But uh, everything is built around uh, individual bonding of keys and individual uh, parts. So in order to set up your movement, you're actually assigning all the different thrusters to different key bonds. And also the positioning of your center of mass uh, matters a great deal on your mobility because if you set up a ship that uh, is built around being very agile and you don't set up your center of mass correctly, you know, you're going to be in a bad time. And it also makes it so you have to try to counterbalance whenever you're building asymmetrically. So it actually has a pretty deep building system in it already for being so early in its early access. Uh, something that's a little bit interesting on it is its weapon system and its research system. There is no set weapons in this game. Instead, all the weapons are user-defined. And that is done through the research tree, which is solely based around the weapon system, at least at time of recording. And in order to uh, go further into the research tree, you have to mine particular resources, which require specialized tanks on uh, your spaceship, which are very heavy. And if they blow up, you lose that resource and you have to ferry it back and forth while completing a mission. So it adds a secondary objective and also a little bit of risk reward. And it's split between three, potentially four different resources. Each of them have specialized tanks. So, you know, they you're either going for a very particular resource with a very particular ship or you're going back and forth very often with a more generalized ship. It adds a, a lot to the risk-reward for just doing secondary things while also trying to, you know, blow up snake eggs, for example, or trying to... Uh, scan things or that sort of thing well uh the research it unlocks different perks for weapons and all the weapons have different classes i think there's about a half a dozen of them there's blasters which are you know pretty much your pew pew lasers uh full-on just uh laser beams think board uh, cutter beams 
long uh, lasers, which are weaker, but ha- have a longer range, hence the name. Uh, rockets, uh, grenades, and flamethrowers. And there may be another one that I'm forgetting. And once you set the primary class, uh, how the weapon actually performs is based on three traits that you slot in based on what you've unlocked in the research tree. And different weapon classes use different branches of this centralized tree. So you're in this central node and you branch outwards. And different weapons use different branches. And some of them are severe downgrades to try to make a weapon more specialized. Perhaps you want it to be purely a digging weapon to allow you to dig down further. So you could, on a uh, high-tier thing, uh, completely drop the damage to potentially do something else with that weapon. It's an interesting swapping mechanic. Uh, I've seen this a couple of times, but uh, usually those games are more multiplayer-focused. So having it in a single-player game uh, actually is a little bit refreshing because you're not going to be as inf- uh, focused on trying to min-max and just do what you want with it, which allows for a lot more openness with the system, which I approve of. It reminds me a bit also of a loadout system where, you know, the oh, the weapons are all customized. Uh, that sort of thing, only single player. Uh, but uh, that uh, I didn't play enough of it to really be able to get into the mission structure or, you know, uh, the full game cycle because... Uh, the my system just hated the game's particle system, and certain weapons threw out a lot of particles, and they were kind of uh, I wouldn't say a requirement. I'm I wouldn't go that far to say that certain missions require you to run certain weapons, but uh, whenever you're swarmed with uh, very small but uh, fragile enemies, uh, having something like a flamethrower, for example, is a uh, makes it a lot easier than trying to hit them all with a laser. And I will say that the weapons don't have self-collision, which is nice. So uh, they uh, you could shoot through your ship, which uh, allows for a little bit more protection on your weaponry. Uh, there also appear to be you know uh, different uh, environments that will uh, appear every so often. Uh, there was heaters and coolers to try to counteract atmospheric effects. And there was also... A lot of logic parts, which would allow for smart building of ships. As a matter of fact, part of the tutorial is built around teaching you how to uh, use particular logic gates to be able to uh, automate at least certain functions of the ship, which is very interesting. I didn't get to dive too far into that, though, so I can't really say how far it goes or how deep the rabbit hole goes on that. But I have seen people talk about uh, carrying around essentially a mini turret uh, and dropping it uh, behind them while they're trying to do things uh, on particular missions uh, and just having its logic gates and its uh, power supply uh, uh, run off of a secondary thing and uh, build a, just essentially just a mobile weapons platform, which is really neat. huh? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I like the sound of this. I wanted to play it this week. I didn't get a chance, but maybe yeah. I will. Yeah, I wish the next I was recording. able. To, yeah, I wish I was able to play it a bit more. Uh, I think you would dig it. Yeah, yeah. So you want to do yeah. there? Yeah. I I do hope that uh, as you go further into the game, it's not so much uh, the same mission over and over again with the same skin. Grand only really got to take a look at three or four in the opening system. 
and it is a sandbox RPG, so there is a lot of uh, just going and doing things. It did appear that there is a gating system where as you do missions, you essentially uh, get unlock points for uh, gates to go to different systems. So if you get a bad roll on your initial system, uh, assuming that it's fully uh, procedural, uh, then you may have a harder time than uh, you may otherwise expect. Uh, it's something that has to be very carefully balanced, so I'm not sure if that's uh, quite in play or not, or if they you know, have a little bit more hands-on with the generation of the opening system or two, which I would hope so, but you never know, right? Yeah. Um, I, I guess the main thing I would uh, say is I wish that there were struts in the game to be able to reinforce the uh, ship. Uh, and also just, yeah, more parts because there's only a handful of batteries to power the ship. Uh, uh, all your weapons uh, use a certain amount of power. Some weapons, of course, use more than others, and those tend to be more for short burst uh, fire. Um, energy shields use a lot of power. <clears throat> uh, batteries are also essentially, it's a combination battery generator. So adding more batteries or adding bigger batteries also increases your battery or your power generation to a degree. But there's also a capacitor, which uh, doesn't have a, uh, a power generation uh, feature, but it essentially is, well, it's a capacitor. <laughs> I mean, it stores power to be able to use uh, later and it has a lot higher power density. So it's a you know there's a lot of interesting trade-offs already in the game and as it goes through early access I think it's going to be very interesting. I just wish I was able to play it more. And since I yeah. was having connection issues I couldn't <clears throat> you know do proper searches to try to figure out you know uh, if there was anything I could do to fix it. But I didn't see anybody complaining about crashing so it's probably just a quirk of my system which is irritating but uh, yeah. Any questions? No, I think I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, I think I'm going to reserve most of that for when I get to play it and then maybe chat back and forth with you about how I feel about some of the systems. I mean, it sounds awesome um, Yeah, as long as I don't a, have the same technical issues you do. Yeah, it's pretty much a freeform building on your uh, uh, thing. And I will say that uh, the tutorial isn't the greatest of explaining certain uh, aspects of the game. Like, as far as I could recall... It never really highlighted exactly how to, for example, change the node that you're connecting to. So by default, all the parts want to connect to the central node of the ship. Uh, essentially, you know, the computer core or whatever you want to call it. And everything branches out like a snowflake almost, you know? Yeah. Well, if you're dragging a part on and then you mouse, uh, you mouse over another part while still holding the part, it'll change its focus from the central node to that part so that you can branch off from that. And they talk about making big enough ships to uh, do certain things, but they never really, really highlight the how or the why, you know, until, you know, uh, you start having a ship go all spaghetti on you. I should say limp spaghetti, not the, you know, uncooked uh, hard noodle. So they could probably work on the tutorials a bit or, you know, it just could have been me being dense, which is always a high possibility, actually. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, on a smart ass in uh, Discord. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Uh, All right. Yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would say that it's very customizable. And uh, if you're one that doesn't enjoy building ships or you know, toying around with things, it's very much a tinkering game. And the, uh, the trailer on the uh, Steam store page very much highlights this. I, I would say that it does a very good job of showing exactly what the game is. You come up to, uh, against a problem. And you have to figure out a way around it. And then you have you come up against another problem. And you have to figure out a way around it. And sometimes those two uh, are mutually exclusive. Sometimes they're not. So it's a very niche title. But if you fall into that niche. At least from what I played. It looks like it's a good uh, starter. Or it's, a good, it's off to a very good start I should say. Excellent. Makes me happy to hear you talk mostly positively about it because that means it's probably <laughs> a good game. You tend to only talk nice about games that are good. Like I'll talk nice about games that are shit. Like I'll acknowledge that they're shit, but I'll be like, ah, my weird sensibilities let me enjoy this. But you never talk nice about anything unless it's actually good or redeemable. So that uh, it's almost like I'm a hard critic or something. Yeah, I know. That warms my heart just a little bit. I mean, the worst thing I had to say about it was that it could use strut and. Uh, it, the tutorials are not quite up to spec, <laughs> but it's an early access title, so I could kind of forgive that. Then also I had technical issues, but I think that's more limited to my computer not liking certain uh, Unity builds, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. Well, cool. Is it my turn? Yeah, I do believe so. Excellent. So, um, I didn't play anything new this week. Uh, I had some... Some stuff happened last week and over the weekend that prevented me from doing so. You know what's going on, Rage. And it's something I wouldn't mind talking about, but out of respect for the other people in this situation, I'm not going to say anything other than it took up quite a bit of my time over the weekend and uh, the tail end of last week. So I didn't play. You were counseling me because of my son link issues. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's it. That's what we'll (laughs) go with. Um, So I didn't really get to play anything new either. Uh, The newest update or expansion or DLC or whatever you want to call it for American Truck released, though, the Oregon expansion, which adds the state of Oregon to the game. So I I went ahead and picked that up. Um, You could get it in a combo with like some uh, new trailer skins or truck skins or something. Uh, And essentially, you got the skin, air quotes, for free. So... I went ahead and picked that up. It was like 12 bucks for the two of them. Uh, and I really, really am enjoying Oregon. It's one of those things that it's like, that we talked about like last week, how that this game is very much one thing, but subtle changes can make a whole world of difference to the gameplay. So Oregon, number one, is a state that gets a lot of rain in the United States. If, if you don't live here, you might not know that, but it rains a lot in Oregon. And I've played Please this game. I've played this game for about 50 hours total, uh, 40 to 50 hours. I've seen may- rain maybe four times in the game until the Oregon expansion uh, in the other states. So Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, and California. You know, four or five times in total in all that time. I've seen rain like every other day in the state of Oregon. And I just left there on a a long-haul delivery to Nevada. And once I got a little ways out of the state, back towards the desert, no more rain. 
and it hasn't rained and I'm, I'm not gotten back up there yet. So I assume that they have made some changes to make the weather a little bit closer to real life uh, and have got a lot of rain. And that changes the way that I feel while playing the game. I'm not sure that rain actually does anything to really affect your handling or performance. Um, if it does, it's because there's no things like rain collection on the road or whatever. You don't have to worry about losing traction or hydroplaning. So it's mostly just attacks on my <laughs> graphics card processor and uh, patience because there's only two wiper blade settings, very slow and very fast. And neither of those usually fit the bill for what I want, but it's, it's still nice aesthetically. They do an excellent job with like reflections and things. Um, and if you've got the graphics settings next out, you can see the little um, sort of like, dovetails or rooster tails like whenever you're driving quickly like out spraying water off the back of tires just like those little things that you wouldn't normally notice except it's like oh wow they do have like the simulator you know portion of things down and it's just like a nice little touch um to be driving along and seeing like the water spraying out i don't know it just adds to the aesthetic uh, another thing that's different is that oregon has a lot of rural roads and very tiny towns dotted around with just like gas stations and places to sleep and stuff like that and you just drive through but it's a nice touch it makes it feel much less developed much more rural which the state is i mean it has its collection of cities for sure portland is huge um both in game and real life uh but there's a lot of you know back roads and sort of backwater towns in oregon it feels a lot like tennessee honestly with rolling hills and lots of back roads lots of tiny two-lane roads with speed limits that are like 45 miles an hour uh, and a cop hiding right behind that uh, speed limit sign yeah god don't i know it um <laughs> but anyways uh, there's also a lot of dirt roads um because logging the logging industry is big in oregon as it is in tennessee uh so there's logging trucks everywhere now and there are logging sites you can go to. One of the achievements is tied to de- delivering logs from each of the logging sites to the various um, uh, lumber yards where that they you know, cut it up into rough cut lumber and stuff like that to be shipped out to furniture manufacturers and yada yada. Um, but anyways, you know, most of these sites are several miles down a dirt road. Um, and while it doesn't simulate dirt roads and off-roading like spin tires does, you can certainly tell a difference between driving on a paved road and driving on a dirt or gravel road. And it's like the closer you get to the logging sites, the worse these roads get to the point where I was actually really worried if my truck was going to make it out. I actually had to use the diff locks in the game. I've never had to do that before, but I had to use the diff locks to get out of one of the logging sites. Uh, and I do intend to get that achievement, as I do intend to get most of the achievements in the game. But right now, I'm just going for grab all the cities in the state achievement or discover all of them. But it's been good. I just, I lots of little subtle things have changed the gameplay quite meaningfully uh, in that portion of the game or that area of the game. Um, and as always with these uh, updates, they do it adds little things to the rest of the map as well, so that you can. Uh, there's no logging sites anywhere outside of Oregon, but the new industries, there's like a new paper company um, and like a new furniture company that are now dotted around the rest of the uh, the rest of the map for you to deliver logs to in other states. Or, you know, you can now deliver things like paper and stationery, which is just fancy paper. 
but I like it. I love those little, little stuff like that. So that's the, uh, the Oregon expansion for American Truck Simulator. No, no new trucks or anything added. They've talked about adding uh, a Volvo dealership in the near future and some other stuff, but now they've swapped over to their next Euro Truck expansion, which is what's it called? Beyond the Baltic. Yeah, Beyond the Baltic. I'm way far away from getting getting that one. American Truck has been my focus over Euro Truck, but. Maybe someday I'll be talking about the specific expansion that comes out for Euro Truck. Um, but that's really it. I mean, I have enjoyed my time with it and I've been playing a crap ton of it. I'm going to play it more this week, but that's that's the new stuff for it. The other game I played this week, uh, I played with my son a little bit over the weekend. It's a game I've played before, but the last time I played it was about nine, ten months ago, and it's gone through a lot of development since then. Uh, it's called Tracks, the train set game. Uh, it is a game where that you have uh, wooden wooden trains and tracks, um, and it's just a little sandbox building game where that you uh, put together a layout, uh, your tracks, and then put your train on it and train cars. Um, and then it initially had some very basic decorations, like two houses and a windmill and some trees, and you could put together like a station and some other stuff with like some little, some just generic looking little people, wooden people figures. Um, and in one of the modes, they would like, you could del- build a, a track layout with a station and deliver passengers like back and forth between the stations. Um, they've now incorporated all of that stuff into the basic sandbox mode. And there's actually a new mode, which I don't have unlocked yet. It just says secret until you unlock it, which I could look it up, but I was like, eh, I'm just playing this with my kid. I'm not going to look it up right now. But uh, they've just added a lot of polish to the game. Uh, it runs better now. I assume they've done some optimization uh, for it. And then they've added a ton of new decorations. Many new houses. There's now little terrain. Sort of almost like you know, those little play mats you can put on the floor that have like rivers and stuff on it um, for you mm-hmm. to play with with your cars or your trains or what, what have you. They now have several different ones of those so you can create different custom layouts they added some new special pieces so you can make your trains go faster they added tunnels that teleport so you just pick like one tunnel and connect it to the next one your train goes into the tunnel and comes out wherever the other tunnel is Uh, they added more people like so there's instead of just being like generic wooden figures there's like people with that have skis on and they're going skiing and construction workers and office workers and farmers and people dressed in like suits and things. So just the increased added customization is, is nice. Um, and it makes me actually want to come back to it on my own because before I was just playing it with my son. Um, just, you know, just something we could play together, uh, and build train layouts in. Cause it, we do that regularly in the living room or his bedroom, but they always have to be picked up. Uh, and they almost always get knocked over or crashed or smashed by my child. <laughs> so uh you know this is a way for us to build something together that never gets smashed or ruined or lost as long as i save it so having all these extra things he was like wow daddy we should build a new train layout in here and all this stuff and i was like in time son in time we've only got you know an hour to play and i'm sure you'd rather actually drive the train around on a little track He was like yeah you're right so maybe it's not like high on my to-do list, but maybe uh, I might get back in it this weekend and put together a layout to show him when he gets home. But I've got plenty of other things to do around here. So this is kind of like 
if all my stuff's done and I'm bored playing all of my other games or just need like a break, then I'll dive into it for a little bit. And I mean, it might be more engaging to do so than like once I get started, but it mostly would just be something fun to do for my kid to be able to show him when he gets home. But still, I mean, it's nice. And if you've got a child or children or if you yourself just enjoy this sort of thing, but maybe you don't have the time or the space or the money to invest in because after buying so many of these fucking wooden trains and tracks, God, they're expensive. (laughs) You can buy like a really basic set for like 20 bucks, but when you actually need to get like the custom tracks and the bridges and the trains Mm -hmm. that look like real trains, I don't want to know how much money we spent on wooden trains. The nicest thing about it though, is that they are. He always wants more, right? Oh God. Yes. He always wants more. But the nicest thing about it is that they are high quality. Like we just buy high quality stuff so that hopefully it will survive uh, our son. <laughs> and then once it does, we can uh, pass it down to to his children if he has them. And if he doesn't, I'll keep it and build wooden model trains in my office. Because I like trains. And socks. And I, I also like socks. So, Yeah. That's it for games we played this week. That's the only two games I played. Yeah, sub 40 minutes. That's a, a new record for quite a while. Yeah, we haven't been that short on games since, like, God, the when we first started recording and didn't know what we were doing yet. Wait, That's we know okay, what we're though. doing? Oh, yeah. We we made it now. We got keys. Officially, we've been giving keys to give away to our audience. We're We're professionals. We know what we're doing. I thought we were professionals when we started uh, getting a little bit of uh, sponsorship from the listeners. Now we're like double professionals. No, no, no. We're industry professionals. We're supported Wait, does that by mean the we can be consulted? Yes. <laughs> Shrink and Rages Consulting Agency. Video game consulting agency. We'll tell you how not to fuck up your games. Does that mean we should just skip directly to the telltale? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, we could save that and save you some editing for once. Just sitting, just sitting here playing with my hair. It smells really nice. I found some shampoo with like olive oil and mint in it. What, are you going to eat it? It smells really nice, guys. It smells good. Well, I prefer my citrus, per, uh, my citrus smelling one. Hmm, my hair's lovely. Anyways, and now we're done with the hair portion of the podcast. So, should we actually talk about games, or actually talk about gaming news? I should say. Indeed, let's talk about some gaming news. There was a BAFTA lecture discussing or discusses why making games should be easier. Now, this is an extremely long article i was surprised at its length yeah i mean this was a uh uh, so that's a rarity for you then (laughs) oh uh uh, but uh, this is a very in-depth article uh talking about this well talk and i think we both took kind of uh separate things away from this actually yeah i guess big picture what was your takeaway from this article uh uh, my big picture on this, this was, hang on, I need to get the name on this. This was, uh, I'm not sure how to actually pronounce that. <laughs> how to pronounce what? Where? Her name. Uh, oh. I, 
Sobin, <laughs> this was this one's pretty tough. Sobin, ready? Uh, you know what's bad? Whatever you go. Oh, Miss Ready or Mrs. Is she married? I don't know. Oh no! Do, do we cut her and have to find out? <laughs> I know that's how we determine age, but I'm not sure about uh, yeah marital status. Um, we just have to cut one of. We just have to cut our fingers off. How to pronounce <laughs> paste that lady's name? Right. Usually, it's me screwing up names. Pronunciation. Whoa, <laughs> we were way wrong. This is an hey, no, Irish. No, 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 no. To be fair, I said I couldn't do that. I knew my hey, limits. I was <laughs> very wrong. This is an Irish name. And it's pronounced Siobhan. How? I I don't know. Siobhan is another Irish form of Joan, meaning God is gracious. A popular name in Ireland where the ang- anglicized versions are often used. Siobhan Do, do you, th- do you think it uh, has to be said with a slur? Yo, drunken slur. <laughs> drunken slur. Maybe. <laughs> oh. But anyway... <laughs> Siobhan. Okay, cool. Uh, we both took away a little bit of something different on this. I, I think the main emphasis on her talk was more talk about uh, user creation uh, in games. Since she was part of the team that was behind Little Big Planet. But also, it seemed like she was very focused on the financial success of games and not the creation itself. At least for part of the talk. And I will say that user creation in games is something that could definitely be made easier for the most part. Uh, there are modding tools out there. I mean, Bethesda has been very good about that for the most part. Granted, they tend to also rely on the community a little more than what I would like. But, uh, you know, it's not exactly plug and play. It's not. As she said, it, it's easy just picking up as a guitar, which to be fair, I don't play the guitar, so I don't know. I mean, it looks like a foreign instrument to me because it is. I tried to learn how to play the guitar once in my life and also then later bass guitar. I was unable to do so, but I'm not I have no musical or artistic inclination at all. I mean, I can play the saxophone. But not the guitar. I can play the radio. Kind of. I have bad signal out here. It's very <laughs> staticky. So you don't play it well? No, I do not. <laughs> um, my main takeaway from this was the points uh, towards more towards the end. I mean, she mentions it throughout, but uh, the the quote here that kind of stuck out in my mind is making games should have the same accessibility as using a camera guitar or a pencil, something you can start to learn just by picking it up. And I thought she was trying to focus on the accessibility, the getting into game design more easily and readily available as it becomes more mainstream. Like, that's what I thought the point she was more making. Um, And I mean, it could be both. It absolutely could be both. This was obviously a long talk with a very long article about it. Yeah, I did take uh, two points away, uh, which I guess uh, my user uh, creation tools does kind of fall into that because that would be a lot more accessible. Sort of like, uh, well, uh, to give you an example, uh, let's take Portal 2. 
where you have Hammer, which is uh, Valve's uh, uh, level creation tool, but they later added in an in-game user uh, level tool. It's not as powerful, but it's more accessible. And there are levels that's been created by that that are very popular, but uh, there's a great difference between those and those that are created through the more robust uh, level creation system. Let me ask you a question. I just this just thought pop, thought just popped into my head. Have you ever used a creation tool either in a game or a game creation tool itself to I've, make content for a game? I've dabbled, but I've never gone as far as you know uh, saying that. Yes, I've definitely have. You know, it's one of those that I've messed with before, but not to the degree of uh, wanting to sit down and do a large chunk or a large chunk of content. You know, okay. never creating a full level, just touring around with different mechanics, see how they work. Uh, that sort of thing. Okay. I uh, have. I, I would say the further stuff I've ever gotten is things in like Trackmania, where it's essentially just like putting together uh, chunks of track, like you're making a slot car uh, uh, racetrack. Yeah. And uh, just messing around with that, but never to the degree of, you know, really fine-tuning the track, you know, where it's, you know, it feels ready for other people to play with it. Yeah. So I have, I have several times, actually, for multiple games. Including so, Battletech. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the, boy, we're going to be talking about Battletech again. <laughs> we uh, will but, be soon when that expansion comes out, but I'm saving it. I'm saving it. It'll be all right. Um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, Battletech was my first adventure into creating a mod. Um, but other things using creation tools in game or provided by the developers, uh, I used to create uh, custom dungeons for Neverwinter because um, it had a very robust built in creation tool where you could, um, it, it had a lot of presets, and I'm bad at the actual level design. But the one creative aspect that I'm good at is writing. I am a pretty decent creative writer. So I would create custom quest lines and then, you know, tweak a lot of the auto-generated dungeons and stuff to to fit what I wanted. Um, and I, I created several quest lines Please in Neverwinter. Please you are better than uh, Bethesda's uh, dungeon creators and you used more than just uh, skeletons again. Yeah, I did more than just skeletons. Thank you. Um. And more than just caves that you ran into and then back out of with an easy exit every time. Um, I created a couple of custom quests on uh, Star Trek Online. And then I used to generate custom maps all the time in Halo using the Forge system. I mean, you couldn't completely build the map, but you know you could use it to place various weapons and objects and things and create custom levels. And there were a couple of levels in Halo, starting with Halo 3 when the Forge system came in, that were basically blank slates for you to build maps around. Um, And I did quite a bit of map building. And at one point, I was attempting to record Machinima. So myself and my friends got together, and, and I was the one who designed all of the maps that we used. And no, I don't have that footage, unfortunately. If I did, I would share it in a heart. It's terrible. (laughs) <laughs> we were all terrible actors, but, you know, it was all for fun. So it was worse than uh, first season Red versus Blue? Oh, God, it's, oh, yeah, way worse. I mean, to be fair, yeah, Red versus Blue uh, 
definitely set a standard, but uh, it was a low bar to begin with. I think yeah. that's fair to say. Oh, yeah. The first season, the first couple of seasons of Red versus Blue were honestly pretty bad going back. But, you know, they were big pioneers in the industry. They weren't the first, but they certainly set a precedent in a bar. But no, ours were way worse than that. Uh, but, you know, it was mostly just for fun. But I did post a lot of those maps online. Um, I've also created a lot of custom content for the Forza series. Although that was incentivized by, for gameplay reasons, because you could create like custom shops with custom tunes and stuff for cars, as well as uh, custom uh, decals and libraries, and sell those in, in the game. So how many of them were tits and dicks? Uh, not ones that I made, but there were plenty that I purchased from other people who made really nice, really nice boobs and butts and penises. But I did mostly custom tuning, um, and things. Cause that's all, you know, mathematical number crunching sort of stuff and like hours of testing to work out just the right, like, can I make this 1% better? Um, and I had a pretty successful, what do they call them? Fort stores, racing storefronts or something like that mm-hmm. in forts of four, three and four. Um, so I've created a lot of custom content for games, actually. Having good tools really does help, honestly, because I mean, there's some tools that I've tried to use that were very shitty, like anything from any Far Cry game. Their custom level making tools and stuff are just garbage. They might be better in the most couple recent iterations of the game but I haven't played any since Far Cry 3, uh, and they're still pretty bad in Far Cry 3. I was looking at uh, some uh, early game footage for Rebel Galaxy 2, which is a prequel to Rebel Galaxy, which yeah, just makes things a little wacky in that. They have a very impressive uh, ship painting system in that. I mean, it's full-on Photoshop. Nice. I mean, it, it was amazing just how uh, uh detailed it was uh down to uh individual layers and uh, be able to uh tour around with the opacity and uh proper mirroring and uh, it, it impressed me nice so having uh, things like that where you can make your ship exactly like you want uh yeah uh, it's not quite the same as uh the uh this uh, particular person was talking about because that's more cosmetic content and they're talking about full-on games or full-on game modes but it's a step in that direction it's teaching people the uh, necessary tools if they want to be more artistic uh more uh, art uh, towards the art aspect of uh, game design because uh, yep game design uh, is not this one thing it's more of an umbrella term with many 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 different disciplines in it from artists uh, coders, uh, level designers, writers, uh, down to marketing, uh, team leaders. I mean, there's just so many different roles in uh, that one wheelhouse that kind of all balling it together and just saying uh, game design feels a little uh, disingenuous almost. You know, uh, kind of uh, like they're uh, uh, talking from the top down and not uh, really understanding how they got there, you know? Yeah. Because just because uh, a a team leader may not be able to do every single job or a manager for a company may not be able to do uh, the art design or be able to look at the code and say, okay, well, you fucked up here, 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 and here. 
I have no idea if that's how coding works, and don't quote me on that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean that you know they are not in the game design field. As much as uh, we dislike uh, the suits at times, yeah, you know, the suits are part of game design. So it's not quite you know you don't need all the uh, all the uh, skills at hand to be able to uh, say that you work in the field. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had that discussion before, how the suits do play a part in game design. Both positive and negative. Yeah, because, I mean, we have seen lots of projects go off the rails when there's nobody saying, uh, this is going to cost us too much money or time or whatever. Yeah, we it's almost like it we're gonna, something. yeah, it's almost like we're going to be talking about suits fucking things up in a little bit uh, in another topic, huh? Yeah, but there are plenty of times where they do fuck shit up. Kind of like with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Which is not any on our news topics, but I just I just got to mention this. I brought this up with All you. Right, I've, got, Sterling. I've got beef with this. Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks awesome. And all of the reviews when it comes to at least focusing on the gameplay and stuff sound like it's great. I love the introduction of the RPG elements, more leveling stuff. Having conversational choices is nice. They're pretty basic, but still it's nice. You can bone down with so many people of whatever gender you want to regardless of whatever gender your character is. And I am all about all of those things, but it pisses me off to no end that I can't buy it because one of the biggest microtransactions in the game is buying the thing that increases your XP gain. So you don't have to spend so much time grinding. And that bothers me. Just let it be a good fucking game. Sell all of your DLCs and cosmetic shit. Fine. We've already lost on that one. Probably, definitely, but God, fucking with the game design to encourage people to spend more money just pisses me off to no end. And I'm sad that I can't play lo- what looks like a really awesome game that ticks off most of my boxes for playing games because of that bullshit microtransaction games as service garbage. I gotta admit, I've written off most of AAA gaming these days just because of that. I have two. I'll just keep playing American Truck Simulator where they provide content to you uh, that you just pay for and then it's yours. Grant, they do have their cosmetic DLCs, but they're not in a fucking loot crate. No, there's no loot crates. You can pick and choose whatever cosmetics you want. Now, now there is crates in the game. There's a lot of crates. Oh, but, yeah, there's a shit ton but, of but, crates in the game. But you don't open them. You, you uh, haul them around. It's kind of the point of the game. Yeah. So I just I just had to get that off my chest. I've been feeling that for the last few days, seeing the reviews and then, yes, watching Jim Sterling discuss it. And then it come up on uh, several of the podcasts that I listen to. And pretty much everyone that I have seen or heard doesn't mention it or doesn't really care. And some people are even like, oh, yeah, it's great. I just spent like five extra dollars and now I get more XP. Uh. Like, don't you see? Don't you understand? They created this problem to sell you something to fix it. But yeah, I sh- I should stop. Yeah, well, to be fair, I, I don't mention microtransactions uh, a lot in my reviews, mostly because I play indie games and they usually don't have them. Yeah. But I have uh, mentioned them before, and uh, particularly mobile ports. Dreaded so should we get... Uh, so should we get back to the topic at hand? 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> Boy, you sound so enthusiastic about this. I forgot where we were. Uh, I was talking about how uh, it felt uh, like they were uh, forgetting the path they took and were talking about how game design is just this one thing. Right. Both <laughs> of us are quiet. <laughs> well, I'm getting distracted. I mean, that's going to get cut out. So it'll just be like, right, both of us are quiet. But there was a good five or six second pause there where neither of us said anything. Uh, well, uh, getting back to uh, user-generated content, I really think that there should be more uh, uh, user creation tools in games. I agree. Now, don't sell them or you know, uh, allow the uh, you know, uh, microtransactions to push in on that because, oh, that just pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah, don't... Creation tools and modding tools are great ways to increase the long tail of a game. And whenever developers sell that shit, then you're just cutting that off. Well, I was going to ask uh, uh, from uh, your point of view, uh, your uh, take on the article. Since I've been chattering away. Well, I mean, I kind of gave my take, though, earlier. I said where I thought it was coming from. Um, I Initially, I thought that this article was going to do more with the treatment, like as a response a response or a comment on what happened with Telltale and discuss more of the, the treatment of employees. That was a weird beeping noise. I think that was yeah, my phone. Really? But anyways, I was, you know, surprised, I guess. I'm not really shocked, but surprised it wasn't. I was a little confused. Like, why are we going to know this stuff about business? I get the creation angle and the creator tools and making game uh, development more accessible to people. But I just thought that this was going to be a much larger comment on the industry's poor practices as a whole. Yeah, uh, that seems to be uh, glossed over a lot by uh, developers. I mean, there are calls to unionize, of course, but it seems to be the undercurrent right now, not really, you know, uh, what's in the forefront. Yeah. Uh, your phone's making weird beeping noises again. Is and it I just turned off. As I realized it was my Bluetooth speaker. Its battery's wow. dying, so I turned it off. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't but really know what else to say well, about Well, this. they also go into a bit about uh, kind of just uh, the uh, problem with discovery tools to begin with, uh, where it's not so much just making a game, but there's also a large element of luck to be able to make it successful. To make the game itself yeah. successful? Yeah. yeah. A, a financial success, I should say. Uh, which, you know... <sighs> maybe we've been looking at this the wrong way. Granted, I do think Valve needs to really work on their discovery methods. Uh, the discovery queue has proved to be you know, a lot more useful than we originally thought it was. Yeah. But maybe it's not just on Valve and maybe we should be looking at, and I hate to use this term just because I don't like the term, but influencers yeah, as, uh, I wouldn't say gatekeepers, but more custodians to be able to sweep away some of the trash. But the problem is that uh, that relies more on the clickbait culture, particularly with YouTube, where once you get past a certain size, all the channels kind of just congeal in this kind of blah cloud where... They're not very different from one another. 
and you start running into the same discovery problems on YouTube as you do uh, on Steam where it's harder to find the more niche or the lesser known people or games depending on where you're looking. So if you're trying to find a lesser known YouTuber, how are you going to find that without another custodian or another blog? And, you know, it's just uh, problems all the way down on discovery. So it may just be passing the buck more than anything, but uh, having some sort of secondary discovery method, be it blogs, be it videos, streams, uh, I think may be uh, what Valve is really hoping to cut through all the shit that they've unleashed with uh, just the open uh, gates for Steam Discovery or Steam Direct, I should say. Yeah. Because I really don't think that they're uh, 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 being forced to try to fix this because, you know, they don't really have any competitors. They have other platforms out there, of course, but there's no one that can compete with Valve at all outside of particular niches, you know, particular publishers, that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, this is just coming all the way back around to discovery methods and uh, there needs to be a new way to find content online in general. And game design is kind of getting caught up in all this because it's the forefront of the problem where it's very easy to get RPG Maker, a free version of that, and shit out of game. Or not even just that, but have it where a big thing now is uh, the market scamming. Have you seen that going around? Market scamming? No. Oh, okay, where... Or uh, maybe, but I don't know what you're referring to. Okay, well, uh, certain devs, and I use the term dev loosely in this case, will release a game and then uh, get to the point, uh, either through nefarious or non-nefarious means, to allow key and item drops in the game. And they'll craft the items to look like popular items from other games, particularly oh, uh, Counter-Strike or Dota. We talked about this on the show a couple of months ago, I well, think. Well, well, it's popped up again uh, just in the last day or two. Another game's doing this. Grand Valve quickly swings the ban hammer, but it's a constant thing popping up. Yeah. So, uh, it's very... I would say it's a very easy to make a low effort uh, shit game, but if you wish to put more effort or more polish onto it, then it uh, becomes much, much, much tougher. Or you put effort into it, but you don't really refine it enough, and it gets lost in all the RPG Maker games, or all the you know dime a dozen visual novel games that uh, you know look pretty much the same and uh, play pretty much the same. And there's no way to really tell which uh, ones are quality or not. Yeah. So, uh, maybe, uh, you know, discovery is more the focus here than anything else. And I was kind of discounting that at first uh, where they were focusing on the financial model, but maybe it's just, you know, getting uh, eyeballs on the game in the first place. I mean, that's a huge chunk of it. You can't sell a product to, to people if they don't know it exists. Um, you know, the next thing it has to be compelling in some way to sell, but I mean, that's why marketing is so important. Even for massive, well-known worldwide brands, like they still spend so much money 
on marketing because they know they have to keep getting new yeah, people to see their product. On, they spend more money on uh, marketing than they do to make the game. Yeah. Sometimes several times over. Uh, but I think we've uh, beat this horse enough, don't you? Yeah. Unless you have something else to say. I don't. I ran out of steam a while ago on this topic. Well, it just kind of uh, occurred to me that maybe we were approaching it from the different, uh, from a, yeah, kind of the wrong direction. So, uh, how about a new direction? Indeed. Something uh, funny, perhaps? (laughs) I think so. Uh, After months of asking for region lock, PUBG players are mad about region locks. (laughs) Yeah, I saw this and I just had to add it to the docket. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I understand kind of where they're coming from because at least from everything that I could find, it seems like they grouped regions via ping for some reason. Granted, I don't play PUBG, so I can't confirm this in the first place or first person. But there's a lot of people complaining still about getting Chinese hackers. So either people are just using VPNs and they're not really locking down the regions at all, which is very likely. Or they did it uh, very haphazardly, which knowing a blue hole could be a little of both, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Why not both? Although, honestly, given their track record, I would say that they just fucked it up in general. Yeah, and the reason why they were originally calling for region locks was because of China. And, uh, well, the... And boy, this is going to sound racist uh, on the outset. The cheating nature uh, in the cheating culture in China where uh, they'll actually market a computer by just how many cheating run, 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 or as they call it, mods. If memory serves correctly on that one campaign we uh, talked about briefly at one point. Yeah, I think that's right. Or you are remembering that correctly, I think. So... Uh, it does make sense, uh, but there's also people complaining about uh, having trouble finding games, which, because of how PUBG's uh, player base is more focused in China, it had a very lopsided uh, peak player uh, time by, what was it, like seven or eight hours offset at, a, at a PUBG's popularity peak? Yeah. I mean, it was uh, just it weird. Was, it was It was around, I think it was around 10 hours. Nine or ten hours, because that's how far ahead China is compared to the United States, which would be the next largest single region. Yeah, it was just hugely lopsided to the point where once a uh, peak time hit in the U.S., well, Europe and uh, entering peak time in the U.S., uh, PUBG was down several hundred thousand players. <laughs> I mean, that's a little telling, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with this game or any game having most no. of its audience being no, 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 I'm, Chinese, I'm but it's just like that experience would be a completely different experience based on their gaming culture. Mm-hmm. But now the players are complaining because they're having to deal with uh, playing with cheaters again, having to deal with very laggy games or difficulty finding games because their region has a low player count. I just found it amusing. Damned yeah, if you the, do, damned if you don't. Well, it's the monkey paw effect, right? Where yeah. you get your wish, but it's corrupted. <laughs> they wished for uh, uh, region locks. They got them, but it's blue hole uh, implementing them. <laughs> uh, 
and I just go to the Steam servers uh, or the Steam uh, discussions. Well, for one, they've locked down the Steam discussion, so you have to buy the game to be able to talk. Which, this is one of the few forums that I'm actually familiar with that does that. I didn't even know that was a thing on Steam. Yeah, click on any of these. You will not be able to t- uh, to chat. Posting privileges. Only players who own Player Unknown's Battlegrounds are allowed to post in this forum. Well, that's a thing, I guess. I don't know. It's one of the. This makes me feel kind of like the whole YouTube comments thing. Like whenever people turn off YouTube comments, it's like I get it, but still, like I wish you'd just leave it on. Yeah, well, Valve was talking uh, very recently about uh, putting more moderation onto the uh, Steam uh, forum. So maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for the intern that gets stuck with that uh, particular <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah. Until they build their algorithms, of course. Uh, but I gotta love this one. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm scrolling through the forums. PUBG uh, is a dead game soon. Player base down two hundred thousand players. Not sure if they're being sarcastic on that. I'm just uh, reading the uh, thing, but. Uh, you see so often as well just people talking about dead games whenever the player base is very lively. Yeah. I don't... I don't know. PUBG will definitely continue to lose players at this rate, and it might wind up dead in some regions, but I suspect it'll be a long time before that game actually dies just because of how much of a player base it has in certain areas. Like there will be hardcore players that hang on for a long time. And I would say just because of the nature, I, I would say China would probably be the very uh, uh, last one that I will see a severe player drop off. And no, I'm not going into the cheater culture. I'm going into uh, the fact that uh, Chinese players will also grind and use the skidomony to buy other games. Yeah. And as long as they don't lock that down, uh, they'll continuously play PUBG. Uh, to essentially have a job to buy other games. Yep. And I mean, you know, on the one hand, it's like, uh, why? But on the other hand, it's like, well, I mean, that's an inventive I'm, way to earn money I mean, to play you, games. I mean, if you're enjoying the game enough, yeah, th- then uh, you could uh, just consider it just additional income. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. No, definitely not. I, I mean, mean hell, I do stuff I- like... I sold off all my old TF2 stuff, and I got over $100 to spend on the Steam uh, uh, winter sale. Yeah. Because I I loaded up TF2 again, and I just saw what it had become, and that was enough for me. I turned it off, uh, turned it off uninstalled, and sold off my stuff. Uh, did I ever go into it uh, Yeah, expecting to make a payday? Uh, no, particularly because I started playing before the economy was even added to the game. But even afterwards, I did it because occasionally I would get a cosmetic I would like or I would uh, just uh, be goofing around in the game and uh, that I enjoyed. So I definitely see the appeal of it, particularly yeah. if you're uh, if you're still enjoying the game. Indeed, I wish I could play more games and make money to buy other games. Well, if you I have gotten my uh, fair share from trading cards over the years, but mm-hmm. still uh, both. Uh, both uh, grinding them and also uh, getting them for therapy. <laughs> Indeed. 
Well, if you play enough uh, Euro Truck and get in some events, you can uh, make a little bit of uh, money on that. Really? Yeah, there's um, uh, market items for Euro Truck and American Truck. You didn't know oh. this? No, I didn't know this. Yeah, uh, I actually have... Well, I didn't get the rare one, but whenever they had the Big Sur event, uh, there was a little cabinet accessory that's a plush excavator. Uh, the yeah traditional uh construction orange one is nineteen cents, but the uh rare I think it's red is something like two or three bucks. Nice. Well, I look forward to whenever more events roll around. <laughs> now I need to go double check that because it's and also some of the uh. Uh, paint jobs are tradable. Some of the backgrounds are tradable. Let's see. Uh, of course, uh, emoticons and backgrounds. Not, yeah, it's going to bug me if I don't find it on here. Let's see. American Truck Sim. Let's see if that gives it to me. Probably not. I'm just wondering how much it is now. <laughs> Oh, there's American Truck Simulator. Uh, let's see. Some of the emoticons are actually starting to climb in price. Unfortunately, searching American Truck uh, adds a lot of stuff to the Steam market. Almost like their search tools are shit, huh? <laughs> Almost. Wow. Uh, yeah, their search tools are absolute shit. It's giving me rust stuff. Uh, truck door for rust, two bucks. Uh, it looks like some sort of in-game item. Oh, it's a skin. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, technically you could do that. I mean, Grant, uh, don't quit your day job, right? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't but, do that. But for kids these days, I mean, uh, there's a reason why certain games are very popular with the kids. On top of you know just. Uh, it being, you know, the big thing. Yeah, I mean, if I was a kid, could earn a little bit of money to buy new games by playing one of those games. You don't have a job or a life or anything else to do. Fuck it, man. Just play, play those games all day. Uh, play Counter-Strike for a bit, get some crates, crack them open. Uh, sell your crap for hardly anything because you didn't get lucky. Get addicted to gambling. Steal your parents' uh, credit card. Yeah. That's how it works, right? That's that's how it works. Something like that. Ultimately, this leads to drugs and alcohol, though. Like that's the end game. Is that before or after the final boss? <laughs> drugs and alcohol is the final boss. Um. Anyways, uh, well, uh, speaking of final bosses. <laughs> uh. Yes, indeed. Telltale. We're gonna. Uh, Go on the continuing adventures of Telltale, specifically the air quotes skeleton crew has also been laid off since the last time we discussed. Those who, who were responsible for the sacking have been sacked. <laughs> Money Python, yay! <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems that well, Telltale's pretty much dead now. Originally, they had a skeleton crew going for Minecraft story mode on Netflix, which turns out Netflix having uh, essential, essentially choose-your-own-adventure games is a thing that I had no idea was a thing. 
<laughs> Who knew, yeah. right? Yeah, I also discovered that thanks to all of this. So, hey, uh, great uh, coverage for Netflix's uh, uh, interactive content, right? Yeah. Uh, but it seems like, uh, you know, them holding on to a skeleton crew to fulfill obligations uh, to partners, uh, those obligations have uh, no longer being fulfilled. Either they uh, didn't have the money and time to do that, or they decided that it was more worthwhile just to break those obligations. Uh, there's no info on exactly what. It's just a couple of tweets from the people that were remaining saying, hey, remember how I was going to be on a skeleton crew staying for a while? And I was part of it? Nah, just joking. We're, we all just got laid off too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I kind of want to laugh at the sarcasm, but yeah, also yeah. just the situation is so shitty. I'm uh, like, eh. Yeah, it's amazing just how poorly telltale not only just handled their own game development studio but also any lasting legacy has been soured by just how poorly they treated their staff in general yeah i mean there there was rumors going around with uh how toxic uh telltale was and just uh you know their uh tools just be, uh, being absolutely obsolete and needing to be updated years ago and finally getting around to it. But yeah, this just is a uh, a tale. Uh, we're telling a tale eh, about how game devs need to unionize to actually get some sort of protection for themselves. Granted, you know, they are breaking a ton of laws in California. Yeah, potentially and, uh, breaking some federal laws too. That, that one's they, you know, the jury's still out both, I guess, metaphorically and potentially literally yeah. on ways that they could find loopholes out of some of the clauses for in the laws. But in California, nope, ain't no way out of that shit. Yeah, it's almost like it's some sort of liberal wonderland, huh? Yeah. Uh, but Maybe I should go there. A... <laughs> Take me with you. <laughs> we could live in one of the cheap corners of the state. Reap the benefits, but still uh, yeah, be able to live. Stay far away from San Francisco. Not not because of the you know culture there; it's just expensive. We, yep. we could take day trips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a car, so we could we could work it out. Uh, but Anyways. there is a bit of a bright side to this. Not uh, yeah, the whole skeleton crew thing, but there is uh, a continuation. It seems for The Walking Dead. We talked about how it seemed like there was uh, uh, the way that they were wording it. It sounded like they were just going to pull a Half-Life 3 and either have a blog post talking about uh, the upcoming or the remaining story. Or because they were saying in some form, maybe a comic book or something, you know, something cheaper to make than a video game to at least give something to those who bought the season pass. Well, it turns out that they were able to strike a deal with, and now I'm blanking on the name, and I'm trying to find it here, of the company, and you're not helping, <laughs> uh, Skybound. I don't, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know it. I looked up uh, the, the pronunciation. <laughs> uh, you did your work for the week. I did my work. Uh, they uh, struck a deal with Skybound, uh, which holds the rights to the original comic 
to continue the season. Granted, it's unknown exactly the time frame of this, but yeah, it does look like the season pass holders are at least going to get all their uh, episodes. In yeah. theory, at least. That, that's assuming, of course, that you know, they release it as part of the season pass. There's actually no obligation that they would have to do that, is there? I don't... I mean, not without seeing the con- any sort of contract that they draw up or... Of course. Or, or something. But, I mean, you know, barring something that's in part of the contract to get the rights, no, there's no obligation for them to do that. Great. It'd it would be, be a huge dick move. It, it yeah. Be- you go. Uh, I was going to say it would be a huge dick move to those who bought uh, the original season pass and yeah. it would to- or torpedo any continuation of the, the story or any other actual games that they produce. Because as far as I know, they're a publishing house and they're not a development studio. So they haven't actually created any games. I'm just double checking on that. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're pretty much just, uh, a uh, publisher, which yo know, is fine. I mean, that does mean that they at least have uh, their toes in the water when it comes to their game development. But yeah, they, uh, they were talking about wanting to get the original staff, but at least as far as recording, uh, Skybound uh, hasn't been able to secure the original devs yet, which is not surprising because. Yeah, because they were cut without severance, which once again, huge dick move and highly illegal move. Yeah. Uh, uh, the developers had to scramble and there was a hashtag for uh, the developers uh, from uh, Telltale, you know, essentially just snagging up all the talent from them. So I would actually be shocked that they were even, uh, even able to get a good chunk of the original dev team. Yeah. Which, the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, and regardless of whether or not how many people they might be able to get from the original dev team. It's how many want to continue on it, right? Yeah. yeah it's it may how many... just be just too bad of memories. Yeah. Those negative associations. I mean, I, w- I don't know, personally. Well, well, I've... considering the quote here, we don't believe the game could properly be completed by anyone other than members of the original team, it does make me a little skeptical of the quality of the remaining two episodes. And from everything that I've heard, uh, the third episode was pretty much uh, done. It was coming around to final polish and uh, with uh, a little bit of, uh, uh, yeah, just bug uh, fixing, which I realize may be shocking, but Telltale seems to actually have done bug fixing at some point. Right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And the fourth episode was uh, in the middle of getting its voice lines recorded. Uh, based on another article that I read uh, a week or two ago that, that gave an idea of just where the development was. So, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility for others to be able to finish the game. But it seems almost like they were, will be almost unwilling if they can't get the original dev team. Yeah. And even with the original dev team. There's no guarantee that they'd be able to finish it or do as good of a job as they would have if all this hadn't wouldn't have happened. They might be missing key resources and even being able to get all of the resources, the delay that's going to be put on development could cause further problems. It's just one of those things like the farther away you get from something you're working on, um, the more difficult it might be to come back due to any like just forgetting what you were doing or where you were that's at. That's like loading up a save file in an RPG, coming back yeah. a few weeks later and you're like, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah. So, 
I mean, I, I, I hope that it gets finished and is still given to the people who purchased the season pass. But I mean, this is one of the reasons why we don't uh, buy season passes or pre-order things. Yeah, t- uh, I'm. Uh, well, I said it before. I'm about the worst person to buy these episodic games because I typically get them after they're fully released and usually on sale. Yeah, same. But honestly, it it seems like it, it's the safe bet these days. I mean, if Telltale could fail, right? Yeah. Uh, granted, looking back, it's one of those, you know, we should have seen the writing on the wall a, lo- a little bit clearer. But the amount of sheer incompetence is just staggering based on everything I've read. I, well, like, I, mean, I don't think any, I don't think anyone uh, could have really foreseen that level of just poor management from a, a, a company that seemed to be very successful through getting all the licensing deals it was getting. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those hindsight stats, is, I should say it's one of those hindsight is 2020 situations like going into it. Like you just think like, like you just said, they had all of these licenses with big name, you know, big recognizable names and companies and franchises. And it's like, Oh, they're doing fine. And then they had that first layoff and it's like, okay, you know, maybe they had some troubles. Um, you know, they expanded a little too much, but they've still like they've got Batman and they've got Guardians of the Galaxy and they're doing the next Walking Dead. And it's like, oh and they had Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, the the curtain just came down and there's nothing here. The the curtain uh came down and the man behind the curtain was dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, sure, some of the signs were more obvious, but it's one of those things like you just don't notice when everything seems to be fine. Uh, especially, I think it was the licensing deals, you know, it sounds like they were paying too much for the licenses and they were never recouping based on just sales figures. Yeah. And I think people started to see the. Uh, the shine on the uh, uh, Telltale formula wore off quickly after The Walking Dead. It was still fairly fresh with The Wolf Among Us, and I think that's why it was... I think it was the second uh, dairy uh, successor, or the second most successful, if memory serves correctly from that chart, which I don't have handy. Um, I, yeah, I know I it was very popular uh, as well. It, which yeah, you know, the fact that they waited so long on the on the Wolf Among Us two is a little surprising. Yeah, maybe Wright was uh, being caught up with that. Uh, but uh, it was very obvious. Uh, your choices, even though they talked about how much they mattered, never really did. It was always a very linear path, and you never had any real freedom. If they were uh, more transparent. Or they took more risks, which you really can't with a Telltale game because of that licensing. They were shackled. You can't tell an outrageous story with Batman without being a very, very, very big name. And even at the end of the day, end of the day, it's still Batman, right? Right. Some characters have more leadway than others. Uh, Joker, for example. I mean, after all, if he if he has to have a history, why can't it be multiple choice? Right. <laughs> well, there's some that, interesting. That, no, that, no, no, that's an actual quote from the Joker. Oh, didn't know that. I'm not. 
I'm not as big a Batman fan as, I don't know, one might expect me to be. I was always a Marvel guy. Yeah, what was it that you said uh, at one point? Uh, Marvel has uh, uh, better heroes, but uh, DC has better villains. Yep. That's the uh, the general consensus among uh, comic book fans. Like, is there a, a Marvel villain as deep as, uh, like, Mr. Freeze? Uh, or as conflicted, I should say? Hmm. Maybe. Not that I know of. I mean, there are some deeper, um, better Marvel villains. Uh, but nothing Don't you quite wish, like uh, that. Marvel and DC could just kiss makeup and... Uh, you know, com- uh, come together uh, with the, some of their gal- galleries. They have a few times, actually. They've had several crossover series over the years. Um, yeah, but anything recent? Not that I'm aware of, but I haven't really kept up with comics ever since my kid was born. Children. Yeah, I tried to read some of the New 52, and I just fell off of it. And now, at this point, you know, it's so far behind that... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's several novels worth of uh, of reading. Plus, it also uh, very quickly got uh, intertwined when they did a uh, uh, universe reboot, essentially. Uh, well, not essentially, they did. Uh, they quickly started tying uh, together uh, comics that I didn't care about. Yeah. And that kind of killed it for me. Uh, sort of like how Telltale did. Indeed. Eh? <laughs> Indeed. So let's go talk about another game studio and licensing stuff. Uh, CD Projekt Red's having some some stuff going on with their creative rights. I said problems when I at the beginning, but that's not necessarily. Both of them are not problems. One of them is a problem, and the other one is something that's a good thing. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- this is just a uh, shit out luck situation. Uh, the author of The Witcher, which uh, do you want to take uh, this one? Yeah, Andre Subkowski. Um, and yes, in case you didn't realize that, The Witcher was originally a book series written by this Polish author, who I probably messed his name up, but that's how I've heard people pronouncing it all week. Oh, so uh, you would have been be- uh, better than I did. But anyway, before the original Witcher game, the very first one, uh, they were, uh, CD Projekt Red contacted him about licensing rights. Yeah, as you do. And instead of taking a chunk of the profits, he opted for just a lump sum, which uh, I'm hoping that I this think it was like, ha- I think it was something like $5,000 or something like that. Wow. I didn't realize it was that low. Uh, let's see. I'm not seeing a, ch- uh, a price on here, but anyway. It wasn't opted- a lot. It was less than ten grand. I don't remember the exact figure, but I've heard it a couple of times in the last week. Well, he, he uh, went for the lump sum, a paltry amount, it seems. Granted, at the time, CD Projekt Red hadn't really done a lot. No, this was in so, what, the so early I, or mid-2000s? Yeah, this was, uh, uh, well, uh, according to one of the comments, I believe it's actually on this article. At the time, they only did the Polish version or the Polish translation of Baldur's Gate. That's it. Yeah. And now uh, so, it's one of gaming's biggest RPG franchises. Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, you know, it's one of those things that 
yes, it, uh, we do have the ability to say, yeah, that was stupid. But at the same time, uh, he had no way of knowing that video games were a thing. Granted, he is kind of an old curmudgeon when it comes to video games from everything I've seen, particularly the Witcher series, but that may be a bit of sour grapes as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it seems that he is suing CD Projekt Red, trying to get uh, a chunk of the profits. And there's actually, uh, from uh, was it on the... Uh, I think it may have been on another site that I saw that, and I'll have to go digging for that real quick. I think it was on uh, Game Industry Biz, which I didn't grab that article, uh, that there's actually a provision in Polish copyright law where he may actually have some footing. Okay. I haven't seen anything about that, but I wasn't trying to make any legal judgment calls because I just, Mm -hmm. I mean, the American legal system is incomprehensible enough, but throw in, you know, another country's legal system that I know nothing about at all. Yeah, from what I could recall, and I'm quickly browsing this to try to find it. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, this may be it. I'm not seeing it here, but essentially there's a provision in Polish copyright law where if uh, the royalties is uh, is uh, significantly disproportionate to the profits, that there is a chance to renegotiate essentially. Yeah. So he does have a legal footing, not saying that's right, but it does mention the article 43 here. So it does uh, on the uh, tech Raptor article uh, that there is some sort of legal footing for him to try to essentially take a cut of the profits, but it's still kind of a, dick move after running off everything and being a a very bitter, bitter person about it, huh? Yeah. Uh, Granted, yeah, uh, seeing The Witcher absolutely blow up. I mean, he, though, has had some secondary success because of that. Um, I mean, The Witcher's getting a TV show made. Uh, I don't think... I think he's still benefiting from that. Like, he didn't sell full rights to The Witcher, just the rights to produce a video game. So... You know, yeah, according to, well, the, well, they, show. Uh, uh, well uh, uh, it actually uh, does a, a very quick synopsis of it in the article, which I glossed over. The article states that should there be a large difference between the money the author is given and the party that they grant their rights to, the author can request more money, which uh, seems uh, like a v- bit of an oversight in Polish uh, <laughs> copyright law, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's uh, more... Uh, uh, surrounded uh, or it's more focused supposedly on uh scamming uh, for rights than it is for this particular case so i'm not sure if there's actually precedent for this uh, uh grant yeah foreign legal systems it's hard to really say you know if he's in the right or not yeah from my sort of american perspective it's like dude you you made this deal this is you know, and a decade ago, or over a de- or two decades ago. Yeah, like you made this deal a long time ago. I get the fact that you're pissed that in the long run you made the wrong choice, but that was your choice that you made, and you have to take responsibility for it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, plus, uh, like you said, he has gotten secondary success because of The Witcher becoming more 
uh, culturally significant, which yeah. may uh, which may sound like a dickish way of saying, well, he wouldn't have been otherwise. But let's be perfectly honest. Outside of Poland, do you think The Witcher uh, was uh, very successful before, let's say, oh, when was the release date of the first Witcher game? 2000-some? Yeah, the late 2000s, something like around 2008, give or take a year. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I discovered The Witcher, the Witcher by accident in like 2009 or 2010, mm-hmm. bought it on like the four-disc DVD compilation or whatever, um, played it, liked it well enough, and then went looking for additional Witcher material, and I found the books, and I never bought them or read them. But I thought that the books were based on the game. And then, you know, no, at some point, like, yeah, and I, I learned this before this whole deal. But, you know, at the time, I thought the books were based on the game. And then I learned that it was the other way around. And so, I mean, it, there probably it there probably would be people who would have heard of it outside of Poland. Um, you know, the Internet age, there's ways to discover things, but. It would not be as successful as it is today, I imagine, without the success of the Witcher game. Um, certainly wouldn't be getting the Netflix series uh, if it wasn't for the game. The whole reason that happened is because Henry Cavill, uh, the guy who that they're getting to play Geralt, who is uh, more commonly known as Superman from the DC EU Superman movies, uh, well, Superman and then Batman versus Superman and then Justice League. Also, oh, he has a chance of actually being in a good movie. Yeah. Henry Cavill's actually an excellent actor. Uh but he just those DC or the recent iteration of DC movies have been garbage. But Henry yeah. I've seen Henry Cavill in some other stuff and he's a very good actor. But anyways, he's a big fan of the Witcher series and has talked at length about playing the games and how he kind of helped push to make this happen because he wanted to play in the series and then they decided to cast him as Geralt. Sort of like the whole situation with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, like it was sort of his passion project. Um, yeah, but he did. Uh, did he link uh, uh, leak the test footage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Not I to mean, my knowledge. Let's be honest. Uh, Ryan Reynolds wanted to be Deadpool enough that he made Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Henry Cavill, though, I when he uh, I read this in, a, in an article, like discussing this the other day, um, when he got the call that they were going to pick him to be superman and man of steel like he knew what it was he knew they were calling him to either give him or tell him that he got the role or not but he just let the call go to voicemail because he was raiding and wow at the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he said something along the lines of like i knew they were calling me to tell me that they i'd either gotten the part or not and given the fact that they were calling me that means i probably got it but i was in the middle of a raid and i couldn't stop otherwise my guildmates would have been mad at me so he right, returned their call the next uh, day. And they may have had kryptonite. They they may have. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that DC kept on uh, with. Uh, well, they have some of it, but uh, the animated universe. Yeah, you know the old uh, TV sh- or older TV shows now and uh, the movies uh, based around it. Yeah, that's coming back. Um, I forget. There was one that just came out. Um, the only reason I know that is because Cinema Sense did it did a everything wrong with video of it. Yeah. I kind of stopped watching that because it felt like it was the same jokes uh, used over and over again. They are. I don't watch the everything wrong with videos, but I just like, they were talking about it on the Sincast. I do like their podcast because they, 
are out of their sort of personas and they genuinely are movie buffs. But they were, Mm -hmm. you know, they talk about their sins videos every once in a while. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Looks like the latest one is the death of Superman. I guess that's it. Uh, The one before that was Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. I don't know. It was one of those. Anyways, there's a part two to this or like a second whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which is Brandon fantasy author. Brandon Sanderson is considering granting CD project red uh, rights to Mistborn series are giving them in some, ca- uh, in some ar- articles I've seen, uh, which uh, he was the author that was granted to the, the ending of the wheel of Tom. And he's a very prolific author. Grant, I haven't actually gotten to read uh, much of his stuff. I need to go uh, uh, resolve that, don't I? I've also not read any of the stuff. I, I've read I read his uh, last two novels for the Wheel of Time series. Yes, I actually got through the Wheel of Time. <laughs> I have always wanted to try tackling the Wheel of Time, but it would take the entirety of time for me to read it at the rate that I get to read books. So I've never well, really... Uh, well, a good thing, there's uh, no endings and no beginnings to the wheel. But there is an ending. Yeah, to the series. But uh, yeah, okay, so it uh, yeah, says well, here in the well, article the, that well, he said he was just going to... Well, the Wheel of Time is one of those uh, series that you could also drop uh, like two or three novels from the middle and not really miss anything. I, I listen to it through audiobooks, and uh, believe me, uh, there was uh, large, large chunks of that series that did nothing for the overall story. Gotcha. All right, so here's a quote. Uh, These are two things I want way more than money. If it came down to it, I'd give away Mistborn rights for free in a heartbeat to get a quality adaptation. I can only offer the Mistborn rights because those are the only video game rights I've retained. In fact, I've had conversations with game studio heads and the money paid to the author is never a stopping point in these conversations for either side. So yeah, I'm not familiar with Mistborn. I'm quickly doing a look on it. Looks I've heard like, the name, uh, but I'm not familiar with it. Uh, uh, Mistborn is a series of epic fantasy novels. Uh, let's see. There are eight in the series right now. Uh, well, with the... Well, I should say seven with the eighth one coming out uh, next year. And boy, those are long novels. Right now with the seven novels, uh, it's just over a million words. So obviously, uh, you know, he's been inspired by the Wheel of Time. <laughs> or Game of Thrones or both. No, can't be Game of Thrones. He's actually releasing another novel. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> At one point, the next Game of Thrones novel was supposed to be coming out in like 2018 or 2019, and then Georgie Boy was like, "Nah, I'm, I'm not good. It's not going to happen." I gave him the Game of Thrones show people the notes for the rest of the book. So He'll he's not even out. bothering. He's he's going to write it at some point, but he just took another break to work on some other project, which I don't know what that is. Are you there? Uh oh. Well, folks, we'll see if I get a text here in a minute from Rage saying his internet went down. He said, ah, and it just all went away. That's the case. I'm going to do some stretches and then go to bed. Maybe do some Euro truck. And my phone's buzzing. 
<laughs> I think it did. I just got a text that said, son of a bitch. I'll take that. Okay, he's restarting his modem. He's still here in Discord, which is weird. Usually it drops someone if they're gone. He says, I haven't stopped recording. Neither have I. Oh, there we go. He just dropped off a Discord. I'm back. Well, uh, I am as well. I noticed. My modem reset on me. I don't know why. But it did a quick reconnect, and it looks like I'm okay on my connection. Okay. Yeah, I didn't stop recording. Uh, I didn't um, either. Uh, I didn't realize uh, yeah, it was down until... Uh, yeah, you know, I tried to open up another link and it timed out. Yeah, you started a new sentence. You just got out, ah, and then went, and then you were dead silent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We'll just well, keep recording. Just a- I'll double check the sync. I made a note of the timestamp. Um, yeah, and I'll recheck like the sync. My sink. connection's a little sluggish, but. Uh, 446.44 but my upload looks good I know 446 sluggish right yeah my internet's <laughs> so slow I mean granted I would complain too paying for more than double that and you're not getting it uh, to be fair um, I'm actually at the theoretical limit of my hard drive even downloading on my SSD, I don't get completely uh, uh, my full speed. Yeah. Uh, but the jump from uh, the 100 package to the 1 gig, uh, I think it was uh, like 20 bucks. Yeah, at so, that point, why not? Yeah. Plus, you know, I splurge on two things. I splurge on my data plan on my phone and I splurge on my internet connection. And both of them combined, I would say, is about an extra 40 to 50 a month. That's not bad, huh? No, not bad at all. Considering I get essentially unlimited uh, data on my phone. I, I have a 22 uh, a gig quota before they start throttling me. Which, honestly, 22 gigs on a phone, unless I'm tethering, is a fuck ton. It's pretty hard to go through. Between Katie and I, we use less than eight a month. And I, I'm the one who's using most of it at like four-ish. And I mean, I, I consider myself a power user. But I'm always connected. I mean, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. So I'm always connected to Wi-Fi anywhere I go. Except at work. Because the Wi-Fi sucks ass at work. Gotta watch porn using my data plan. Because my work PC is monitored. I don't, I don't actually watch porn at work. You're being quiet again. Did your internet die? I text you. Oh, my phone's buzzing. I got another. Damn it! Ah, it's dead. That means he missed me talking about watching porn at work, though, guys and gals. I don't actually watch porn at work. Save that for home. Don't want to get in trouble because I couldn't keep it in my pants. Plus, like, of the Ten Commandments of Therapy, number one is thou shalt not have sex with your clients. 
Well, I guess watching porn is not the same as having sex with your client, but still a bad thing to do in a professional workplace. Also, guess we weren't kidding, too, about how long was it going to take for something to get fucked up. I'm just going to leave all this in. I mean, the sciences will be cut out, but hey, going to make that time quota somehow. We've got enough done for the episode. We got through all of our news topics. So all that's left is Community Corner with our listener question and Discovery queue. And if we have to, we can roll the question in the next week. Might grab some of the pre-roll stuff and stick it on for, you know, to pad out a little extra time. Otherwise, for now, dear listener, just enjoy this time with me and you. And also you and her over there. I'm in your ears. I want to play more Star Wars RPG. Looking forward to Star Wars RPG night tomorrow night for for those in the community that are a little more tightly knit. Been working on some uh, custom weapon mods for Phil's character in our ongoing game. I'm quite quite pleased with what I came up with. His biggest complaint was that his uh, blaster pistols were too weak, so I focused on ways to make them more powerful. Just standard blaster pistols uh, nearly doubled the. Uh, attack power of them maybe effectively doubled it considering that one of the mod versions I came up with he gets boost dice and extra pierce so like it's like adding extra damage to the weapon pretty pumped still not as powerful as my previous bowcaster or my current heavy blaster rifle which I have heavily modified I'm not sure if we're taking new members into our current group or not but there are two groups that have been playing somewhere between regularly and semi-regularly. If you're interested in joining, uh, contact Cube in our community. He's the GM for both groups. You can hit him up on Discord. Or I guess you could talk to me, uh, and I could help figure out what to do, where to go. The Wednesday night group is up to four players. And the Saturday night group was at three. They were three and three, and now it's at two. So, otherwise, I'm seriously tempted to go turn on some American Truck Simulator right now. But I won't. I'll just sit here and play with my hair quietly. Oh, here's another text from Rage. He is resetting his router. I went to text him back, Roger Dodger. And my phone autocorrected to Robert Downey. Rage texting updates every step of the way. I accidentally opened up Amazon on my phone. I'm just going to send him a thumbs up emoji. Speaking of Star Wars RPG, got some messages in our chat. My uh, firepower upgrades for Phil are not going unnoticed by Jim. And he's back. Well, let's see, let's see for how long this time. I'll say if we drop or if I drop again, uh, I uh, close my recording and uh, put it in Dropbox and see when it uploads. Okay. I mean, we've got enough to do a full show. Um, we were getting close to the two hour mark and I've just been sitting here talking the whole time to add content on <laughs> just talking about Star Wars RPG and a few other things. So. Uh, cussing sun link. Yeah. Or is that, well, that's not really on my end because I just went silent because oh, you, you, you have a good uh, motherfucker for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe a son of a bitch there as well. 
let's just put it this way the way i have my desk set up the modem's actually behind a an old cd uh, holder uh so it diffuses the light because the modem's really bright yeah uh and when i realized my connection was going down i moved there and i saw all the lights uh not lit properly so not happy about that and the slightest much like the owner of uh, the uh, copyright of uh, The Witcher, huh? Indeed. Bringing it back around full circle to the beginning of that topic. Uh, granted, not really much to talk about here. I mean, it, I was just talking about how it's really refreshing to see an author uh, value uh, the cultural significance of a video game. I'm not sure if you heard any of that before. <laughs> I didn't hear any of that before. Like I said, uh, I just heard you go, ah, and then that was it. Ah. So. <laughs> uh but yeah uh, video games do offer a lot different uh, uh story opportunities and having a uh, prolific writer on hand to be able to uh, flesh that out or be able to uh, consult with i think uh, would be a, a very worthwhile uh, partnership and i just i, I I really hope that, you know, uh, he does get the deal with <laughs> CD Projekt Red because that would be interesting. Yeah. And and hopefully that, yeah, they cut him with the proper portion of the profits, even though he doesn't really seem to care about that because it seems like he has had enough money. So obviously he hasn't worked in the video game industry. <laughs> Apparently not. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it is good to see, you know, artists. And I think there's a lot of artists who do care more about the integrity of their work and value uh, like Blanksy? the cultural significance. You mean Banksy? Banksy. Sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, but you know, I, uh, I think there are uh, for plenty those of... Who, uh, for those who haven't seen that, uh, look up uh, uh, Banksy Shredder. Yeah. It's interesting. But we're not a... Certainly not a fine art podcast. Yeah, because I don't get art. <laughs> but yeah. But those who uh, do it for uh, the love of the craft and love of culture rather than just a paycheck. Yeah. Grant, I, I think I could understand where... Uh, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name at all. And I'm a little too irritated right now because my connection dropping twice. To really even bother, but uh, the Witcher author, I can understand why he's a little peeved uh, seeing you know, uh, the runaway success after getting well, what I'm sure he considers now a penance. Yeah. We'll see how so that I'd, plays out, though. We might report back on it in a few weeks if it has some interesting developments. Uh, probably, uh, probably a few months or years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this will probably be a prolonged court case. Yeah, unless CD Projekt Red uh, sees yeah, uh, the opportunity to just pay him off again <laughs> with the pendant. <laughs> Which they might. I mean, they could offer him, you know, a hundred grand easy. Be like, here, go away. <laughs> but then you ha run into the possibility that he may be coming back for more. Yeah, you know, the blackmail uh, scenario. Well, they could, though, put it like if you accept the settlement, you... Um, well, it, it really depends on copyright law there. And copyright law is archaic at best. Yeah. And whenever a copyright law is updated, it always seems to be, to borrow a term from Jim Sterling, the wrong way. The Yeah, the wrong way. <laughs> yep. All right. 
Well, uh, so should we hurry along to another topic before uh, things go uh, tits up again, or we're yeah. at community corner? Are we? Yeah, we're at community corner. So that was our last news topic. Yeah, we had no tweets. The only email we had was uh, from the dev, and we already covered that. Uh, yep. The Discord was a little interesting today. It was, or not today, but this week. It was full of potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. No, good, uh, good joke there. Um, yeah, I love the original thermal paste. Mm, delicious. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get uh, into but, this. Uh, uh, but 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 uh, but uh, if you wish to uh, provide content for the community corner, you could do so. Vglpodcast at gmail dot com or Podcast on the Twitter. Alrighty. So our question from this week we're going to tackle from the community has been one that I've been asked by a lot of people with a few variations on the question, but the one that kind of made me think, okay, I'd like to talk about this now, um, was the specific one I got asked earlier and oh, then brought it up to you. So the main, main question is, um, what would be some video games that we think would make good movies? And that's been a question that's been asked many times. But I got asked a specific ca- caveat to that earlier, which was um, putting a restriction on the question. Um, basically, you need to think outside the box. Don't think about games that are story focused. Think about other types of games and what you could do with that creatively. So, you know, no Uncharted, no Tomb Raider, no, you know, anything that's the big point of the game is its story. What could you do creatively with that? And I came up with a couple. Um, well, I came up with an entire genre. Okay. Do you do you want who do you want to go first? Uh, well, let me go first, just because of my connection issues potentially, but also the fact that I have it pulled up now. Yeah. The well, there's uh, actually two genres I came up with, but one that I have a lot more personal connection to. The town builder, uh, colony management game. Mostly because we've been playing Dwarf Fortress. And I went into my save file before the show. And uh, there's uh, a thing called Legends Viewer. And whenever you create a world in Dwarf Fortress, it creates a history and then runs the world. So I found one just pretty much at random. Uh, this was a guy that was born uh, before the Dwarven... Uh, uh, civilization really rose uh, 20 years before and he died in the year 59 uh, after uh, dwarves essentially founded their civilization he was a vampire and he was burnt uh, alive in a uh, vampiric purge okay uh, in the year 13 so he was uh, in his 30s by this point he became a priest of the fellowship of Balakin. And also during that year, he started working at the Abbey of Evening for that uh, particular uh, 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 religion and raked dwarved. And in year 14, he became married to Zusko Nightbends. In the year 18, uh, in the midwinter, a freak of twilight, a, a, a natural beast. Uh, attacked his town, and during the duel he fought uh, uh, violently, uh, but was able to escape. In the year 21, uh, during the early autumn, uh, a human uh, 
named Visceral Gerskeris, uh formed a false friendship with him to extract information about the town. In the year 25, a minotaur attacked the town, once again not causing too much damage fought off by the town's uh, uh, guard. However, during the year 49, uh, granted, I could have done this a lot better if I took notes and actually wrote out a story. Right. Um, but in the year 49 of the Dwarven uh, calendar, he started to feel the ravages of age, and he started becoming obsessed with his own mortality and start to extend his life through any means necessary. And the winner of that year, he found... Uh, he pro- profaned the Abbey of Evening in his own town, bringing about a curse from that deity, cursing him uh, to search the night and uh, for blood, turning him into a vampire. He lived like that for ten years, until another false friendship to uh, ga- uh, to gain information on the town revealed his true nature. Uh, during the early winter of the year 59 of the Dwarven calendar. And then, by late winter, he was a victim of the Vampire Purge. This is just one character out of my world picked just at random, just because he was a vampire, (laughs) pretty much. But he also, throughout the years, fathered 11 children. None of them vampires, but all of them with their own stories, their own uh, uh, lives in my world. And you can pick any one of these uh, little uh, tidbits and use it as a basis of a story. But even not really uh, focusing on Dwarf Fortress at all, you could also look at the base wielder genre itself and use it as a struggle against the elements. Uh, Particularly, I would say things like Banished or even uh, definitely Rimworld, where... It's a more wild uh, world and uh, having to combat it more directly than Dwarf Fortress may for the most part. I'll just use Dwarf Fortress as an example here because we were already playing it and uh, I had my history uh, preloaded. So I could just go through pretty much at random uh, in the Legends Viewer and find... Little bits of history. Look at towns. See them uh, ransacked. See the, see uh, religions rise and fall. See kingdoms rise and fall. See trade deals. See uh, festivals. So you know this is a, a really good place for a uh, an idea of a movie to really uh, germinate. Uh, the other one is just the survival genre, and I would say actually a pretty good candidate would be a game I didn't really click for me, Factorio. You know, yeah, a, that would a make man, a, a, a man versus nature uh, with technology uh, story, almost a uh, castaway esque. Yeah, I mean, there's no story in that whatsoever. Uh, but you know, that's another entire genre that you could look at and find uh, stories uh, just through player interaction uh, with the world, with a little bit of lore here and there uh, for some games, but for Factorio. You're told you know, your spaceship crashed, build it a rocket. That's it. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Well, I have to admit, I do have a soft spot for Dwarf Fortress in general. So you'll be able to go through uh, and just look at the family trees. And particularly if I go, uh, I, did you look at the Legend Viewer at all? No. Oh, 
you may want to export your world and you could go in and find entire family trees and watch uh, people uh, 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 build up families, uh, uh, see the families branch out and occasionally intermarry, you know, uh, uh, cousins in uh, uh, towns are, are a thing. Uh, there was one I found where it was a guy that basically just had a run of bad luck in his life. Uh, he was uh, 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 wanting to start a family, but never uh, really was able to settle down. He went from town to town, and he eventually was caught in a raid and was killed. But his story didn't end there because a local necromancer ransacked the town and rose his body up as the undead. <laughs> so he's now a minion of the necromancer's army. <laughs> nice. Y'all have to do that. Cause I mean, I love stuff like that. So yeah, uh, it's a little cumbersome to go through, but once you figure it out, like uh, right here is, I just found uh, this is the current king of the elves or one of the elven nations in my town or in my world. Uh, he was born uh, in negative uh, 118, uh, 180, so 180 years before the Dwarven calendar. But what's interesting is, I think this is the one. Uh, I, I was looking at my legends earlier when you asked me this. Uh, the artifact that he holds. Okay, the complexity of seducers, which is a legendary uh, Dwarven uh, bone floodgate. <laughs> uh, dwarven artifacts are a little weird, okay? Uh, it was created uh, in cleared glinsend by the dwarf Yundum of Folded Quakes in the year 64. In the year 64, it was also made a family heirloom by the same dwarf. And it stayed there for nearly 200 years until the, uh, uh, the colony was ransacked by a... I'm just trying to find what it is. It looks like it, it's a, a kobold nation. So uh, they, they were attacked by a siege and uh, they were able to break through the defenses and steal this particular artifact. And it was lost for seven years until it was found in a market by a uh, random elf. Uh, that's a, a grand a nephew of the, of the elven king. Uh, and it was offered to him uh, as a tribute, uh, which he accepted, and it was made a symbol of the diplomat of the dwarven or, or the elvish kingdom. <laughs> this is just one random item in my world. Nice. Uh, you're you're going to lose so much time in Legend Viewer when you figure it out. <laughs> I probably will. Um, so my idea that I had for uh, games that would make good movies. The first idea that I had was Kerbal Space Program. Obviously, there's no story in that game other than get to space. But my thought would be you create sort of like, um, not exactly a mockumentary, because uh, it's not, you know, you're not being satirical in it, but you you make this movie like a documentary, tracking the early, early days of Kerbal Space Progress, uh, up with it ending with, you know, in... Sort of like newsreels? Yeah, with it ending in like a real yeah, that's time... That's actually something I toyed around with at one point. Yeah, a real time launch to get to like the Mun or Minmus or something. And like that's how it ends um, with them succeeding after, you know, because it's Kerbal's weird 
failures and odd circumstances, but um, you know, they still several, managed to uh, make it. Several crews stuck on the mun. Yeah. Uh, the other idea I had would be Monster Hunter. Um, there is a story in Monster Hunter, but I'm not focusing on the overall story for any of the games, but really focusing in on the hunts themselves. So you could have a either an uh, anthology series nature. or a, a set of movies or even like a TV show sort of thing where that you focus on hunting down some of the large monsters and you follow like a team of hunters. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to inject an idea. It's a two word idea. Steve Irwin. <laughs> yes, that would be excellent. That would be excellent. And he's tracking down the different <laughs> monsters and talking about them. Yes. <laughs> My idea is good. Your idea is better. I'm sorry. As soon as you started talking about an anthology series with monsters, no, Steve Irwin. <laughs> nice. Um, and th- but those are just the first two that very quickly came to my mind. Um, yeah, I, I liked your more... idea for survival games. Uh, using yeah, I just thought more something. of uh, genres more than anything else. I mean, Dwarf Fortress is probably cheating a little bit with the uh, spirit of the question. Because yeah. there are stories in the game, but they're not something that the average player would encounter. So that's something a little bit different, you know? Oh my god. Let's look at, let's look at the world history. Rocket League. All right? You get your typical sports movie with like your underdog character, but no, it's no, no, no. a it driver in Rocket no, no, League. It has to, no, it has to be a sports anime. Where it becomes a more about the uh, uh, team and uh, less about the sport. <laughs> that so the is, sport is just a background. That would work too. That's why I like sports anime. I'm not a huge sports guy, but typically in sports anime, it's not focused on the sport much at all, actually. Now that I you know, really think about it. Well, not think about it, but I knew it wasn't. But uh, even things like uh, Fighting Spirit, which is a boxing anime. Uh, yes, there are full episodes dedicated to particular matches, but in three seasons worth of show, I would say less than 10 full episodes are fully about the main character fighting. And a lot of it is the buildup in between and uh, the storylines between. Yeah. Um. The only other one that I'll bring up is Battletech. I've talked about this before, but basically, I mean, Battletech yeah, is yeah, that's Space TV. Game of Thrones. <laughs> so just focus on ongoing conflicts between the houses and whatnot. I mean, there's lots of stories that exist in the Battletech universe, but you could come up with so much original content. Or and- even just a, a mercenary group like in the actual game or in the video game, I should say. Yeah. And uh, doing jobs in between the different houses and, uh, you know, treachery and uh, betrayal. Uh, getting caught up in uh, wars that you had no business being in. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we got a few ideas, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's a Great, good question. Uh, yeah, I'm still not sure if I went with the spirit of the question or not, but you'll allow it, right? Yeah, I'll allow it. It doesn't uh, matter. J- just just because I uh, co-opted your idea and made it better. <laughs> Yeah, 
I'm surprised you didn't think Steve Irwin. I don't. I just didn't. My brain didn't go there. Um, what's that say about me? <laughs> I don't know. Um, crikey, cr- crikey. <laughs> but, anyways, yes, we shall move on from that to. There's nothing in between, right? You did the thing. Yes. So, doobly do for the discovery queue. We'll bang one of these out real fast and then uh, be done. Or your yeah. connection will die before we're done, <laughs> in which case I will wrap it up solo. Oh, my. Yeah, I'm getting really nothing here. A whole lot of nothing. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, this looks interesting. It's a, a very mixed review. But hang on, let me bring that over. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Down, down, down. Card life. Cardboard survival. Essentially what uh, Nintendo wants to make uh, the Nintendo Switch, it seems. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's an interesting looking game. I haven't really seen a game with this aesthetic before. You know, going full on with uh, cardboard. The characters are literally cardboard cutouts. Uh, and even uh, the dinosaurs uh, look like, uh, you know, the cardboard models that you put together and with tabs and everything. Yeah. It, it looks like those. Which, yeah. Uh, I applaud them for uh, you know, just going full on with the aesthetic. You know, trees getting chopped down and it's a jagged <laughs> cardboard cutout. So they're definitely uh, putting effort in on the aesthetic uh, front. Uh, yeah, making it feel like it's a cardboard world. The question is, where are they failing on this? Because it's a very mixed review. Uh, looks like it's more focused on a, on multiplayer. Oh, hey, I just said card life show up. Yeah, it looks like it's definitely a multiplayer-focused game, so I can definitely see why people are a bit annoyed. But it looks like... Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, you actually create your character by cutting out cardboard as well. That's cool. There's going to be so many ticks. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be perfectly honest, but the fact that they're going full on with the theme, uh, yeah, I applaud them for that. Uh, so you got uh, get another one? Um, what is this? This is well, I don't know. interesting. I don't really know if I'm want it but it's certainly different from anything i've ever seen before sin tracer Cine tracer i'm getting the link right now it looks like camera operation simulator or some sort of movie so i don't know i don't know what this is but i like it it looks neat yeah i'm taking a look at this hang on I'm just going to read the blurb. Cinetracer is a realistic cinematography simulator. The player operates real-world-based cameras, sets up lights, and directs talent actors in stunning next-gen environments. So it's sort of a a more, I guess, realistic look in terms of, like, the tech and things, movie maker sort of game. I like this. Wow, that's expensive. Did you look at the price tag? I did now. It'll go on sale eventually. Everything goes on sale on sale eventually it's a 90 dollars game <laughs> oh i'm not sure if you could really use the term game for this because it is a 
uh, simulation sandbox game or uh, you know uh, sim game. So it's very interesting. It, it reminds me a bit uh, just uh, the way they're handling of uh, the movies. Uh, you know, be able to create your own uh, movie inside the game. Yeah. And just looking at this, it looks like it has some pretty robust uh, uh, movie creation tools. Just a uh, quick pre, uh, pu- uh, peek at the uh, uh, trailers. It's hilarious that your guy flies around in a jetpack to set up everything, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got another one. Well, uh, well, I got uh, Mega Man 11. I mean, it's a Mega Man game. Uh, I didn't even realize that they were releasing the newer Mega Mans on uh, Steam. I didn't either, but I'm not a big Mega Man fan, so... Eh. I, I never really got to play them. Uh, I uh, played the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, but Mega Man was just... It just wasn't on my radar. But then again, I didn't really have a lot of options when it came to games, so... It may have just not been uh, offered, which is a real possibility. Yeah. But it, it doesn't look that bad. It looks like it's getting reviewed fairly well. It released uh, just a few days ago. And it's a 2D Mega Man game, or two, uh, 2.5D, uh, you know, uh, 3D graphics. Yeah. Very colorful. But yeah, uh, Mega Man, or Mega Man 11. There you go. Holy shit, is this... Oh, it is... Oh man, this makes me excited. So this game on mine I've got is called Left Alive. Um, and it's a third person, looks like a third person shooter with mech combat involved. And I was sitting here looking at this like, the aesthetic to this looks familiar. And I was flipping through the trailers and the first trailer is like got some history from the game series. And it's set in the front mission universe. Or the front mission... Terribly familiar with that. Um, it's a turn. It was initially a turn-based uh, mech combat game, and then they had a couple of games that were more action, almost like hack and slash games, but with mechs. Um, and it looks like this is going to be have some ground level stuff. I mean, I I would prefer the turn-based, but I love this series. This is one of the only. Like, this is one of the games, the the Front Mission series, I go back and play the PlayStation 2, the the ones that were on PS2. Mm-hmm. Every couple of years, I'll play through the whole series because I love them so much. Well, we know where you're being lost for a while. Yeah, it says this release is March 2019. March 5th, 2019. So, uh, that's not too far off. And it says the game will unlock in four months. I guess maybe for, like people who get maybe early access yeah maybe it's one of those you pre-order it and you can play the game early sort of deals don't know won't be doing that but this makes Uh, me quite happy (laughs) well good thing i don't have the lamp came on so i can see that (laughs) i got a shortest trip to earth a roguelite survival exploration game uh, with some very heavily uh, inspired by FTL only uh, uh, looks like a bit more sandboxy which I don't have a problem with 
FTL, after a while, it felt like it was more uh, dictated by its random member generator than any other, uh, in, any form of strategy, at least for me, because I didn't, I wasn't particularly good at it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but seeing, uh, you know, FTL getting spiritual successors like this, where it's more about exploration and, uh, well, exploration and uh, probably a little bit of survival and more focused on the tactics. I'm definitely down for that. And it looks like there's at least some uh, ship customization and ship building in this uh, in the, with the individual modules instead of FTL having, you know, you choose one of two things and that's it. Fancy. Yeah, it, it looks actually good. It looks like there's proper boarding and everything. It looks like the ships are a little bit more... I'm not sure realistic it's the proper term here because, you know, sci-fi, but still. Yeah. But I'm impressed. Well, I'm done with my queue. I only got two games out of it, but that's good enough for me. So how many do you have left? I got... Uh, I, I'm still only about halfway through. And I got one that I didn't even realize was coming out. So uh, a quick mention for it, because I know we have at least one fan of this particular genre. Beat Hazard 2 is coming, or is out, I should say. Which, uh, Beat Hazard is a shoot-em-up game derived from, uh, well, it's procedurally generated in the proper term, but it's derived from the music that you play through it. So particular songs uh, generate particular waves of enemies and also the power-ups that you receive, for, or at least in the previous version. So if you're a fan of shoot-em-ups with over-the-top uh, flashy graphics and uh, a little bit of rhythm-based uh, gameplay on it as well, because uh, the enemies also came in uh, based on the rhythm of the song and the tempo of the song also dictated just how fast they were. So through fire and the flames, hard mode, <laughs> right? Um, that would be extra hard to the fire and flames. Jesus. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that doesn't look very good. Skipping through real quick. That doesn't look particularly good either. Last game. Fuck no. No. Ignore. I'll say the title. Uh, Super Seducer 2. No, I am not linking to that piece of shit. (laughs) Fuck uh, that game and particularly... Well, no, I don't want to fuck that guy. That guy just looks like he constantly needs to be hosed down, you know? Yep. It's like he just takes baths and Jerry curl. So yeah, I ended up with four and uh, four that I would actually say are at least decent. <laughs> Can't believe it suggested to me super. I- I'm pretty sure I would put the other one on ignore. You know, maybe it, uh, it's like, well, you know, the first one was shit. Maybe this one's uh, going to be shit as well. But hey. Uh, but yeah, that is my list. Hello. Excellent. Uh, okay, I'm still here. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a little uh, yeah, I'm a little jittery now because uh, yeah, dropping the connection twice. You know. Yeah, I understand. But no, I'm still here. Yeah, uh, trust me, I have the modem uh, in the corner of my eye, and I'm staring at it. Blink, blink, blink. Cool. 
Well, if that's that's the end of the discovery queue, which means we're on to the portion of the podcast where I go first. Uh, got a couple of new subscribers on the old YouTube. So if you, once again, as I do, whenever that happens, uh, if you are podcast <laughs> listeners, thank you very much for coming over to my YouTube channel. Uh, and if you are people who found my channel organically and are actually listening to this episode of the podcast, thank you anyways. Uh, check out sorry. the backload of the podcast episodes. Uh, I'm not sorry. The things that you can find on my YouTube channel, as always, are the drop of the podcast and whatever it is that you and I happen to be recording at the time. And currently, we're still working on spin tires. As always, I'm slightly farther behind than you because I forget or things come up uh, and I don't get them set right. But I'm I'm catching up to where we were. We did not get to record Monday night because of connection yeah. issues. This time uh, it was that my time fault. it was on you. <laughs> It's just like we just take turns. So it was my my turn last night. It's your turn tonight. We're going to try and record again on Thursday. So I guess that means it'll be my my turn to have problems again. But anyways, if you want to see those videos on my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's at JMA4707, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things. I posted a, a very short contextless tweet that just said i feel special tonight and that is related to our game key giveaway so if you saw that the other day uh because podcasting time travel is weird you'll know what that was about otherwise if you want to be friends with me on steam you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707 on steam i accept all friend requests and love to talk to the lovely people had someone prompt me with that sort of refining of the video game movie question uh, yesterday. And I always appreciate that sort of stuff. Thanks for helping generate content for the show. What about you? And if you were still know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is packet loss. Packet loss. Indeed. It seemed uh, appropriate, you know? Very much so. Where can they find you, buddy? And what have you got going on? Oh, uh, well, if you want to find me over on the YouTubes, you can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage. I'm still only on two of my three series going on at the time uh, at this time because uh, I just, well, connection issues have been, uh, as you may be able to tell, I'm a little pissed. And not in the drunk way either. Actually, in the drunk oil, it would probably help right now. <laughs> but that makes me sleepy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm only running two of my three series right now. Spin Tires and episode 70-some of RimWorld. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to have a, a very mature RimWorld series that only has a only a little bit of death, actually. Uh, that's hardly fun, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, to be fair, uh, because the colonies lasted so long, everybody is pairing off. So if I start losing people, things could go downhill very quickly. <laughs> I have I have four couples in my colony right now out of, uh, I would say, 15 people, 10, 15 people. So, yeah, uh, losing a person uh, would give a hugely negative uh, debuff uh, to mood and would potentially uh, cause a tantrum spiral. So, hey, there's always the chance for self-destruction. 
And I need to figure out exactly what I'm going to do with RimWorld because 1.0 is coming out. I'm at the point where I could end the series in about a month of uh, worth of episodes because I'm at that point in the tech tree that I could just research the ship and take off and uh, secure probably my last win because they changed how that uh, uh, works in the beta version uh, after mine. I'm actually, well, by the time, no, no, it would be next week. Uh, I'm one beta version behind uh, because the series have been going on for so long. Uh, but uh, with the release, I need to figure out, you know, uh, exactly my timing on uh, a restart of the series because I do want to continue playing. I'm still enjoying it. Even though, you know, the game does piss me off at times with all the damn poison ships. But you can find all of that over on Gaming with Caffeine Rage with uh, the Sunday Sampler as well. Assuming that I actually get review keys, I'll uh, try out the game that we got uh, for a giveaway. And most likely do that and assuming that it records properly. If not, then I'll just talk about it here. Uh, Twitch, I didn't get a chance to uh, stream at all last week. Because as soon as I sat down to uh, stream twice or start putting stuff together to stream, I should say, my connection went down. <laughs> and it's a little tough to be able to uh, stream without a connection. Uh, so I'm hoping to return to that uh, this week. I'm pr- at least going to try some Dwarf Fortress and uh, also uh, uh, some Night Team, or at least uh, do my test uh, videos on that, because that seems to be a good place to you know, get a little bit of feedback and get a feel for a game. And make a complete fool of myself at the same time. Bonus points, right? <laughs> yep. And you can also find me make a complete fool of myself over on the Twitter, Gaming with CR. And, well, if you wish to see links to any of the stuff that we talked about, both uh, during the show or our uh, media links, you can find them over on the podcast website bglpodcast.podbean.com all the links are there and are very handy if you wish to click them which well our podbean site is also gladly supported by our patrons patreon.com slash bglpodcast if you wish to join in uh, with our monetary support Uh, once again you can contact us bglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters voicemails game related topics or well just general questions or just tweet them to us BGL podcast and also your movie quotes because remember the giveaway is on and I believe that's it so our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and doobly doo our discovery cue music is by the same artist his music can be found at incomputech.com and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice goodbye now uh, see ya haha uh-huh. Uh, sorry, I can't resist. <laughs> See you next time. Bye bye.